UA, the podcast where each week we relive the UK Top 40 singles chart from 20 years ago? Yes, I am! The 2000 Chart Show The 2000 Chart Show Yes, indeed we are. And that introduction is perfect because on this week's show, we are celebrating the pop career of a man who married into the Slaters, as well as new singles from Michael Jackson, Limp Biscuit, No Doubt, and Dizzy Rascal. Very much the calm before the storm of Christmas content. A slow week on the charts, but still some very good songs, by the way. If I didn't say it, this is the 2000s chart show. Clues in the theme song. And we do every week celebrate the UK Top 40 from 20 years ago. And so let's start, as always, with number 40. And this week it is a new entry, the first of 13 new entries on this chart. Here is Not Today by Mary J. Blige featuring Eve. Fans of cinematic masterpieces may remember this song from the soundtrack to Barbershop 2, a film that must have some sort of subtitle like We're Back, Short Back and Sides, more like, let's have a look. It's called Back in Business, makes a lot of sense. And Mary J. Blige was certainly (laughs) back in business at this point. She'd had a few tumultuous years. She, as many pop stars before her, got too much into drugs and drinking and said of this time, I was starting to feel like I didn't want to be here. You start to feel like you slip away no matter how much you're on stage. You're there, but you aren't really there. I didn't want to die, but I wanted to die. However, in 2001, she says she hit rock bottom, which led her to turn to Christianity and abstaining from drugs and drinking. This would all lead her to, in 2003, find love with a record executive called Kendu Isaacs, who also managed her career, leading to her having some of her biggest songs of all time, including Family Affair and No More Drama. And No More Drama was very much a buzzword for Mary J. Blige at this point. Simon Amstall in Enemy called her the fourth most boring woman he'd ever interviewed, saying she's now so pure and reformed that she's become totally uninteresting. I did her around the time of No More Drama and I put a hypothetical drama to her. You come home and discover your boyfriend wearing a wig, jumping up and down in the bed, singing along to Family Affair. What would you do? She just turned around, looked me in the eye and went, that would not happen. It's strange how the word hypothetical passes people by. Then again, Britney needed the word condiment explained to her, so I'm constantly amazed. Mary needs to get on the crack if she wants to be interesting. Oh, 2003. Amina time. In case you were wondering what happened to Mary J. Blige's marriage, unfortunately they broke up in 2018 and she had one little piece of advice to share with anyone going through a marriage as she told the Twitter account Black Millionaires. The advice would you give as far as for a woman that may be wealthy, well off, and they're looking to get married? Get a prenup. Because <laughs> I didn't have one. And that's why I was. In, I ended up having to just give everything away. To be fair, the writing is on the wall with her song here, Not Today. Not a good idea to be releasing a breakup song the year of your marriage. Definitely going to be a bad omen. But certainly wasn't a bad omen on her career, although she is only at number 40 here. She will have in total seven top 10 hits and 31 top 40s. And her peak is still to come. That will be her duet with U2 on a cover version of their song One, which pretty ironically only got to number two. So that's Mary J. Blige. I'm very aware that it is December now and we need to get a little bit into the Christmas spirit. And so you will be pleased to know that Mary J. Blige, in the years since releasing Not Today, has released a Christmas album. It's called Merry Christmas. Of course, brilliant. 20 points for that. And although you're going to lose all those 20 points straight away, Mary J. Blige for releasing this cover of Do You Hear What I Hear in duet with Jessie J. With a tail as big as a kite Set the little lamb to the shepherd boy Bar humbug. So we are saying not today to any more Mary J. Blige, but we do have time for a former number one in its seventh week down from 25 at 39, Sugar Babes with Hole in the Head. Because I do, boy, and it's cool, boy. 
sugar babes there. Still surviving after seven weeks with a hole in the head, which is pretty good going. That's a joke for you Trepanning fans out there. And at 38, now a new entry, our second of the week. Here is Music and You by Room 5 featuring Oliver Cheatham. If the name Room 5 featuring Oliver Cheatham sounds familiar to you, that is because, of course, it was the iconic team-up behind the song Make Love, a number one single for four weeks in April 2003. And if the sound of music and you sounds familiar, it's because, in my opinion, it is a total rip-off of the song Music Sounds Better With You by Stardust. That, of course, was also a number one in, I think, 1998. A classic bit of dance music tomfoolery here. Basically, as a dance DJ, you know, your main job is DJing, but you may, if you have a particularly positive response to a song when you're DJing, you may think, oh, I'll release that as a single, not thinking much of it. I'm saying that like I've done it, which I haven't, but we've covered enough of these dance acts to know at this point. And then out of all the dance songs that don't do very well, yours suddenly does very well, like Room 5's Make Love. Suddenly it's number one because it's in a Lynx advert and you're like, oh shit, this is great and everything. It's good to be on top of the pops. It's good to have all this money and gold discs and whatever, but now I'm gonna have to do a follow-up and I have no idea what to do. And then, so usually what dance acts do at that point is just do, okay, I'll just do the same thing again. And Room 5 has definitely done this here, even using the same vocalist that they used the last time. Although this time, of course, doing that other classic bit of dance music, Tom Foolery, which is, in my opinion, nicking things from other songs. And sometimes this will work, and sometimes it will get you to number 38. There are some things I like about this song, however. One is the beginning of the video, which sees the song start after a rat crawls across someone's keyboard as someone who's lived in London for 12 years. Too real. Room 5, but in case you were wondering, is a pseudonym of the Italian DJ Lito Lucente. You may have heard his name on this podcast before because he is also makes music as Junior Jack and we talked about his song E Samba a few weeks ago. Oliver Cheetah, meanwhile, is an American R&B singer from the 80s and <laughs> you know what they say, get ready for the best joke in this week's show. If you can't cheat them, join them. <laughs> his name is Oliver Cheatham. Yeah, so that's at 38, nowhere near matching the success of their first collaboration, and so it's no surprise that this is the last time we'll be hearing of Room 5 and Oliver Cheatham on the UK Top 40. And now, from 38 to 31, here are six other songs that we are probably hearing about for the last time on this week's podcast. We've talked about them all a lot over the last few weeks, and so let's just medley through them. Love Me Right Oh Sheila by Angel City 36 Swing Low by UB40 Going up one position to 36 At 35 Guilty by Blue 34 
White Flag by Dido, that's in its 13th week. 33, Stand Up by Ludacris, that's in its third week, down from 24. At 32, Fortune Faded by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, down from 20. And at 31, If You Come To Me by Atomic Kitten. One thing to note in that chart, I said these are all songs that we are probably hearing about for the last time in this podcast, but that is not true for at least one of them, because Swing Low by UB40 United Colours of Sound not only has many more weeks on the podcast, but actually hasn't even reached its highest position yet. It first charted on the podcast on the 8th of November, when it was at number 23, and in four weeks' time, so the end of December 2023, on our last show of the year, it will get to number 15. This, of course, all down to the Rugby World Cup. So, sorry sports haters out there, we are going to have to talk about that song for a little bit longer, but not, at least for now, because at 30, we have our next new entry. Here is Just a Rascal by, you've guessed it, Dizzy Rascal. I'm a Got this game in my hand like that. Got this game in my hand, be cool. Unstoppable, make up where we lack. I take cheese from the jewels and jacks. We make money off albums that come and I face it. Let's all face facts. Maybe perhaps some traps. What's that? But I'm invisible to all. Foolish make his cap. Maybe perhaps some that. Just on the break, complain to the max. Just on the break, complain, but I know. Gotta get money, gotta get another goal. No less than a G for a show. Ain't got no luck for a hack. I'm a whole new thing. Tap things with girls on the low. I get around new ways in the go. And I know I get around new ways in the rush. Can't stop me, I won't ever hush. I think we would consider Dizzy Rascal a pretty savvy artist. He's good at jumping on trends, working with hot producers of the time, like Calvin Harris, and working with James Corden at the exact last moment in which that would be acceptable. But this canny streak in Dizzy Rascal's music starts right here, because in trying to promote Just a Rascal, Dizzy Rascal noticed he had a small problem, which was that this is the third song from his album Boyne to Corner and if we go further down the singles from an album there is less and less money to promote them. You can see from the video which is just Dizzy Rascal dancing on a boat they had basically no money to promote this and so they did a little clever thing that actually links back to something we've been talking about for the last few weeks and so this boat party where they filmed the music video was on the Thames on the 19th of October 2003 and any calendar maniacs out there may remember that that was, we talked about this a few weeks ago when David Blaine went out of his Perspex box. He'd been hanging above the Thames in a Perspex box for 44 days without food. And so obviously there was a lot of press coverage when he left the box. And so what a perfect time to go past in a boat playing just a rascal, meaning that every time the David Blaine stunt ended up on the news, you'd be able to hear Dizzy Rascal's single Just a Rascal behind it. Very smart. And we know that you could hear Just a Rascal by Dizzy Rascal in the background of David Blaine getting out of his box on the news because here it is on Channel 4 News. David Blaine has survived 44 days of starvation and is about to be released. Paramedics and David's team are now making final preparations to bring the box down. Okay, guys, stand by on your ladders. Hold on, Lee. Alright, come on down, come on down. Alright, come on down. Let's actually get it right into place, guys very smart little bit of marketing there and very very funny this David Blaine trying to do this solemn serious thing he's basically you know weak with malnutrition and they're playing just a rascal behind him very funny none of this however was enough to stop Dizzy Rascal from getting the worst charting single of his career so far his first single I Love You in June 29 August Fix Up Look Sharp 17 two weeks ago his collaboration with Basement Jacks got to number 23 and now here he is at number 30 however we can't count Dizzy Rascal out just yet clearly the canniness that made him decide to do that stunt is soon going to propel him into the top 10. In fact, his next single in 2004 will be his first ever top 10, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. And he will, of course, go on to have 13 top 10s, including five number ones. So we have plenty more opportunities to talk about Dizzy Rascal. But first, we have to talk about his Christmas work. We are going to get into the Christmas spirit, even if it kills us this week. He hasn't released an official Christmas song, but he has been involved in two Christmas-adjacent projects. He was the person who did the controversial rap in the Band-Aid 20 version of Do They Know It's Christmas. And then he released the song Nutcrackers. Really brings out the Bristolian in my voice there. That's Nutcrackers with a Z, which was his grime track over the beat of the, I presume, I haven't heard it yet, the Sugar Plum Fairy from Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker Suite. Ho, ho, ho. 
from Ho 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 to Oh No No in its 15th week on the chart, so still the longest running song on this week's chart, down from 17, former number one, the biggest selling song of 2003, and not to give the game away for a few weeks' time, but not the biggest song on our best of the year list. It's going to be very lucky if it even gets onto it. Where is the love by the Black Eyed Peas? One song that could make it, however, in its second week, down from 10. It's a big drop, but we still love them. Miracles by the Pet Shop Boys. Rivers flow faster and cleaner. Being with you, no matter where. Sunlight breaks through and suddenly we have I Believe in a Thing Called Love by The Darkness that's also doing well in its 10th week down from 27 26, Style by Mystique, down from 13 in its second week. No wonder it's the last ever Mystique single that we will see. And at 25 in its fifth week, down from 18, Trouble by Pink. that Pink released a song called Trouble because actually the colour pink has been scientifically shown to reduce trouble. Check this out, okay? So there is a colour that is known as Baker Miller Pink or Drunk Tank Pink, which has been apparently observed to temporarily reduce hostile, violent or aggressive behaviour. That's why it's called Drunk Tank Pink because the drunk tank of police stations will often be painted this colour in the belief that it will tone people's behaviour down. This was discovered in the late 1960s. However, exactly how true this is has been questioned. Study at a naval correctional facility in Seattle where they painted everything Baker Miller Pink showed that it lowered heart rate and strength and had a positive and calming effect but then they tried it in a jail in California and it actually led to an increase of incidents and and the reason for this some have speculated is because basically there was so much toxic masculinity in the prison that they saw the color pink and they just got angry at how feminine it was. Why is this relevant to what we're talking about? Well you look at Baker Miller Pink on Wikipedia and tell me that is not the exact shade of pink that Pink uses on her logo on the album Misunderstood or as she would say Misunderstood because that's how it's written. I try and teach her something but I would always try and bring it back to the pop music and so let's take it back to the pop music specifically the song at number 24 down from 16 in its third week Pass That Dutch by Missy Elliott. Hang them out the window for me Michael Jackson I'm a pain in your rectum I am that Shelf slept on Heavy hit around Spit up call me rerun Hey 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 I'm what's happening Hypnotic in my drink That's right Shake it till it's thing That's right Mr. Moe's on the beat That's right Put it down for the street That's And of course that fits in as well because passing that Dutch is definitely a way of uh, calming someone down if you know what I mean. Obviously we would never promote illegal drugs on this podcast. Our only drug of choice here is pop music. Talking of people who've definitely never touched a drug, here are the psychedelic rock sounds of a new entry at 23, Bill Mackay by The Coral. He never thought that he'd grow old And every day when he gets a chain Looks out the window and thinks in vain If I could only be that boy again 
May 2020, the Coral were part of a listening party for this album on Twitter, and they gave us a little bit of insight into the making of this song. They said, Death of a Salesman, Adulthood, The End of Innocence, a short story in a song. It has a bit of a kink stomp to it, kind of a black comedy. How do you imagine being, how you imagine being grown up is when you're a kid? Apparently the video was made in Amsterdam, they were on tour in Europe in a freezing winter, so that's why they all appear in massive hats. And they also apparently bought what they call Deirdre Barlow glasses in a vintage, vintage shop in Germany, which they then wore for the rest of the tour. Sounds like fun, to be honest. They said at this time it was the longest we've been on the road and we'd lost our minds to it. Sporty freaks living off KFC and red light district buffets. Sorry, red light districts have buffets. Like, you go to, a, you go see a sex worker and you're like, yeah, I want the, uh, I want the number two, the number four and the number six, but first I'm going to eat this chocolate. Chinese? Okay, I've never frequented the red light district. Maybe I'm naive about these matters, but the kind of things you do with a sex worker are not the kind of things that I want to do on a full stomach, I think. But anyway, not the point. They said the video producer was a nutcase who kept wanting us to blow the budget in the strip bars and brothels. Maybe he was right. As it is, however, they decided to make a video to promote the song and it has got it to number 23, giving the band their sixth UK top 40. Six of the eight they were going to have, so only two more top 40s for the Coral. But they almost didn't have this top 40 because they were originally going to leave this song off their album and for quite a funny reason. In that same Twitter thread, the lead singer of the Coral, James Skelly, wrote, I think we had this one before the first album. Bill and I demoed it in his bedroom. Ian said it sounded like Travis, so he shelved it. I love the idea of this band being like, we can never sound like fucking Travis. Says what I mean about the kind of low state of British indie at this point. Even the bands that we, I think, now consider quite landfill indie were like well at least we're not fucking travis although they did decide to be travis like in the end because they as you see they did release it originally the album wasn't going to include this song or the song pass it on and singers pass it on would go on to be their biggest hit it's a good thing that they reconsidered another fun fact about the coral their record label signed them based on a gig poster rather than hearing any of their music apparently had an amazing gig poster of one of their granddad's heads exploding and they were like yeah sign them really does speak of a better time doesn't it now it would be like oh you don't have two billion instagram users so can't sign you sorry so it got into old man mode there something about the christmas season that does that to me so of course this is the coral the part of the cosmic scouse scene that we've been talking about for the last few months they are the biggest band from that liverpool scene alongside the bandits and the stands two of my least favorite bands of the time who might sing like this which is i think the reason why the coral have done the best out of all of them because they do that the least although still slightly what more could you want well if the answer is to know what is at number 22 you're in luck because it is in its 11th week down from 19 superstar by jamelia A new entry for Meatloaf with Man of Steel. Can't I break your heart? I remember how it used to be. Making love to you all night long. I used to take you in my arms and hold you there till all my strength was gone. I used to be a man of steel. I used to be a man of steel. Wait. The bus driver from Spice World the movie is a singer? No, of course, I do actually know that. This is, of course, the legendary meatloaf. What makes it legendary? They put a little bit of bacon in it. No, he is a singer, as you all well know. A singer who managed 18 UK top 40s, 6 UK top 10s, and a UK number 1 in October 1993 with I'd Do Anything For Love, But I Won't Do That, my favourite song about fisting. And I would do This song, we can put it alongside Nancy Sinatra and Frank Sinatra's Something Stupid in the Hall of Fame of songs that become slightly pervy because they're sung by father and daughter. That's right, the female voice that you hear in Man of Steel is Meatloaf's adopted daughter, Pearl Adays. I used to be a man of steel I used to take you in my 
course, Meatloaf's real name being Marvin Aday. She, at the time, was working as a backing singer for the hair metal band Motley Crue. This led to Meatloaf having a bit of fun with Nikki Six from Motley Crue. The journalist Paul Stenning says that he went to a Motley Crue show and then said in his gruffest movie bad guy voice, I want to talk to you about my what my daughter's wearing on stage. And just as Nicky Six went white as a sheet, Meatloaf laughed and said that he was messing with him. Nicky Six, though, had no bad feelings because he then told Meatloaf that he should do a duet with his daughter. And the result of it is this, a song written by Nicky Six for the pair, giving Meatloaf another UK top 40 hit. However, all of his UK top 40s, all 18 of them, pale in comparison to the role he had on the album charts although it was never number one his album bat out of hell got to number three in march 1978 you're like yeah no big deal but then it stayed on the chart for 530 weeks otherwise known as 10 years and on the way it became the sixth biggest selling album of all time pretty impressive it sold 43 million records and that's bloody actual bloody records not your bloody streaming shite that puts it just behind Michael Jackson's Thriller, ACDC's Back in Black, Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard, Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon, The Eagles' Greatest Hits. In fact, it's in a eagle sandwich, which I think is a felony in America, having an eagle sandwich. Their Hotel California is just under Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell, and Shania Twain's Come On Over, the biggest selling album of the 90s, although according to this list, not because Whitney Houston is above it, but whatever. The difference between claimed sales and certified copies we don't need to get into here. Suffice it to say... Meatloaf doing very well in the charts, although still his biggest contribution to culture is, of course, this. I don't understand how all the toilets can break down at the same time. It's not my fault they keep breaking down. Listen, it's hard enough to get a plumber to come to your house and that stays in one place. But you try calling one out to a bus that's moving around the countryside. It's impossible. Isn't there something that you can do about them? Like what? Fix them! Listen, I love these girls. And I'll do anything for him. But I won't do that. When I say go, we go. We go on to number 20. Another new entry. Here is with It's My Life, Gwen Stefani and her band No Doubt. say I love No Doubt. Their album Rocksteady was the first album I ever bought with my own money at the age of eight. Gwen Stefani was one of my obsessions as a child but let's just say this song despite all that I'm not the kind of stan that just fights for their artists no matter what. I can admit this song does give laziness a little bit and that is something that Gwen Stefani and No Doubt have admitted to. At this point they were on a hiatus because Gwen Stefani was working on her iconic album Love Angel Music Baby, one of the best pop albums ever made in my opinion and so basically they said they decided to record a cover basically to avoid actually having to write anything. They had, it was contractually obligated, they were doing a Greatest Hits album needed to do a new, a new song I imagine they were like, fuck it, let's do a cover can't think of anyone else who would ever do something so cheap and low, Girls Aloud. Um yep, good. No, to be fair Girls Aloud did have two new songs on the sound of Girls Aloud, one of which wasn't a cover but we're not here to talk about Girls Aloud just yet, although of course they will be on this chart at some point with their song jump we're talking about no doubt they narrowed it down to two covers eventually they were either going to do this song originally a hit for talk talk not the defunct mobile phone brand who used to sponsor big brother the 80s synth rock band and the song don't change by australian rock band in excess it seems that they lol did change and chose it's my life which was released originally in january 1984 <laughs> in 
1984, it only went to number 46, but a 1990 release of the song got to number 13. So no doubt being slightly pipped at the post by the original. And I don't know that much about Talk Talk, but from what I've read around this song, I think I'm into them a little bit. So apparently there, there are two versions of the music video for It's My Life by Talk Talk. The first just apparently was designed as, quote, a statement against the banality of lip syncing, which consists almost entirely of footage from the David Attenborough wildlife documentary Life on Earth alongside shots of the lead singer of Talk Talk, Mark Hollis, standing in London Zoo with his mouth, it says, pointedly shut tight. And then apparently EMI got pissed off at them, said you can't, you have to do a music video where you mime. And so they did a second version, which shows the original video projected on a green screen in front of the band deliberately miming badly so they sound like my kind of fuckers to be honest very enjoyably dickish very interesting Gwen Stefani does seem to be very inspired by these 80s bands she later would record a cover of Adam and the Ants' Stand and Deliver she said she's a big Scar and Madness fan by the way I saw Madness outside of BBC Television Centre the other day looking old I wouldn't have recognised them other than Suggs having the squarest head in the world but from a distance you're like who's that man with the incredibly square oh it's Suggs okay anyway it's weird that she's really into these kind of anarchic bands in the 80s but whereas she herself can't, she can't really pull off that level of cool anymore you know I used to love her now we know she was being racially problematic and uh, culturally appropriative but at the time it was fun but now of course she's married to Blake Shelton and she just seemed to be one of the lamest women alive however this was all ahead of her in 2003 we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about what the hell happened to Gwen Stefani when her solo career launches although this song's only at number 20 in the singles charts it has led to the greatest hits album doing quite well in the album charts it would peak at number five and then it would spend 35 weeks on the chart so over six months not bad i bought a copy of it it's a great collection of singles although they did in interviews make it seem a little bit complicated more complicated than it actually was this is from mtv one of the stupidest articles i've ever read it says just because no writing was involved didn't mean there was no effort stefani said the first task she said was deciding which songs to include on singles 1992 to 2003 Now, I'm not a music compiler, although I would love to do a compilation if anyone's interested and that is actually a job. I'm I'm guessing the songs, it wouldn't take that long to pick songs to put on an album called The Singles because you just put the bloody singles on it, don't you? Oh, we have 15 singles. Oh, what are we going to choose for these 15 tracks? Oh, I can't think. Ridiculous. Gwen Stefani, in her defence, said, we thought it was going to be so easy, but that was the idea. Let's do something that's fun and easy. Why do we also have to, like, torture ourselves? We went and listened to hundreds of songs, hundreds, and try- imagine trying to pick one between the four of us. Oh my God, it was ridiculous. See, I, I think the MTV interviewer has misunderstood Gwen Stefani there. She's not the smartest of people, but I think she's what she's talking about is picking a cover, whereas they're thinking that she's spending all that time trying to decide which songs to put on the album, the singles, and eventually deciding on, oh, I don't know, the singles. Apparently, no doubt members collectively settled on Talk Talk's New Wave Classic because it was a feel-good song. I'm really not sure that's true, actually. Pretty kind of cold and oblique, really. Kind of like me. So it's at number 24 now, but it will eventually get to number 17 when they re-release it with an additional remix of one of my favourite No Doubt songs, Bathwater. Then it'll get to number 17, but that is in 2004 when we will get to talk about it. After that, Gwen Stefani will have her own solo career. She manages seven UK top 10s and nine UK top 40s, including the first song to sell a million copies in downloads alone, which we'll get to talk about very soon. By the way, No Doubt Themselves have one UK number one hit. That was with Don't Speak in February 1997, whereas Gwen though she got that million seller, did not manage to get a a UK number one. This did not stop, however, the members of the BBC docu-soap of the time, docu-soap, reality show, whatever it was. It was called The Salon. It was about hairdressers and they have given it six out of five. I've never seen that in Smash Hits before. So they clearly love this song. Louis says, love it. Gwen is the greatest woman alive. Will she marry me? Whereas Brooke says, I know this song from somewhere. And Louis says, this is Ace. Can I have it? It is from somewhere and no, you can't. So there we go. There was a slightly manic run through of It's My Life by No Doubt. And of course, you need to get the Christmas spirit again because Gwen Stefani has released a Christmas album. See what I was previously saying earlier about her losing all of her cool. Here is Gwen Stefani, the woman who once sang Just a Girl, the ultimate Riot Girl song, singing now Jingle Bells. We're all destined to become the things we hate. And from one version of Jingle Bells to another. Happy holidays, motherfucker!
that was the dulcet tones of Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit singing Jingle Bells, and he is at number 18 with Behind Blue Eyes. We'll talk about that in a second, but first, just to note, at number 19, down from 14 in its fourth week, Flip Reverse by Blazing Squad. But let's go back from the bumming to the bells and talk about Limp Biscuit. The video saw Fred Durst snogging Halle Berry, a woman who won an Oscar two years previously, so I'm not quite sure what she did to be punished in such a way after only two years, but there we go. So clearly she was having a terrible 2003, but perhaps not worse than the one that Fred Durst himself was having. He got bottled at at least two different gigs, one in Finsbury Park, which an NME employee claims that they started, and the second at a festival in Chicago. This is also from MTV. He only ended up playing six songs of an hour-long set at the Summer Sanitarium series of concerts in Chicago. Apparently, after suffering through an abbreviated half-hour set in which he was pelted with plastic bottles, booze, and chants of Fuck Fred Durst, the head biscuit exploded in a torrent of profanity and stormed off the stage. This is from their own website, by the way. They were hit with a shower of bottles, change, and other projectiles from the moment they came on stage. Apparently, Fred Durst crouched down to try and weather the storm. Sounds pretty nasty, doesn't it? But apparently, he was soon calling the haters fucking pussies. Then he started throwing what they call more curses and anti-gay slurs. So that's nice. I almost want to bottle him myself now. Apparently, this set, weirdly, before they went off, ended with a cover of George Michael's Faith, which, very bizarre. Going to see if I can track that down on the internet, although I'm hoping the internet has not been for posterity. Talking about bad covers, unfortunately, Behind Blue Eyes has been preserved for posterity. The Pop Maniacs Among You may not be familiar with the original, but it is from the Who's incredible album, Who's Who's First? Who's Next? Who's... What's it called? Who's... What the fuck is it called? Who's Next? Despite the fact that I can't remember what it's called, it's one of mine and my father's joint albums that we bonded over. absolute classic from an album considered one of the best rock albums of all time so Limp Bizkit recording it is a little sacrilegious it just seems generally it's a bad idea I think releasing an you know you're known for this like very thrashy kind of rap new metal thing and then you release an acoustic song to show that you're a serious musician you know people are just going to take the piss out of you like you cannot compete with the who you release a song an album called chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water like you're not on a creative level of the who but then i don't think you know that is what happens when you have too much ego think oh yeah that's a good idea you know the same guy who spent all of 2003 boasting about having sex with britney spears is not going to be the kind of person who thinks "Mm, maybe i shouldn't do that cover from of a legendary song from a legendary band but you can see perhaps why Fred Durst would choose this song in 2003 because Pete Townsend, the main songwriter of The Who, he wrote it for an abandoned rock opera he was writing called Lifehouse and it was going to be sung by the villain who was talking about how he felt that he'd been forced into the position of being a villain but he actually felt that he was a good guy which is basically I think you can see why Fred Durst who's being bottled and hated at this time may be drawn to this song but it still doesn't mean he should have recorded it though. Getting bottled however wasn't the only problems that Limp Bizkit were facing in 2003. First their guitarist left and he was according to all music considered the creative force behind the band and so it took them a long time to find a replacement they tried to do that bizarrely by doing a national talent search in a series of guitar center shops and apparently during those auditions candidates had to sign contracts to give up rights to anything original they played at the audition which is nice they then found a guitarist who was from a band that were charmingly called snot i think they might have been a marriage made in heaven 
So they all recorded an album together, but then they scrapped that album. Then apparently they recorded a second album and then scrapped it again. So things are going well. And so then basically they put everything together and created what all music in a one and a half star review called one very long, very bad album called Results May Vary. And my God, do they? I mean, Results May Vary, a bad title because it basically writes the review for itself. But some other titles they were going for apparently were included Bipolar and Panty Sniffer. So maybe we got the best of a bad bunch. And by the way, if it wasn't bad enough that they were just covering the who they also add in a bridge for no reason that's done on a speaking spell discover completely baffling idea for two reasons one again you're releasing a cover of one of the great songs and you're spelling out the name of your band which let's not forget Limp Biscuit comes from the name of a game in which people stand in a circle and ejaculate onto a biscuit and the last one to ejaculate eats it reminding us of that during this song wasn't the best idea to begin with and then just having a speaking spell spell out the word limp in what is quite frankly a very limp version of Behind Blue Eyes makes things even worse. So definitely Fred Durst not coming across very well in this at all. Surprise, surprise. Don't think he's going to be featuring on our best of year list. But one woman who certainly will be as our number 17, a former number one, a pop princess in her fourth week, Slow by Kylie Minogue. I love this song, but I do have to say the slow towel that I bought from the Kylie pop-up is not enduring very well. And now I realise that you're all getting kind of horrible images of what I'm doing with it. I'm just using it as a normal towel, but bits of fluff keep coming off it. And it's just, when you pay 60 quid for a towel, that is not what you want. I think it's supposed to be just for display. But if I buy a towel, I'm going to use it. You should have a little sign that's saying, this is only for dancing on in a Spanish Lido. It's not for actually drying. But it doesn't. So sort it out, Kylie, is what I'm saying. Moving on from that rant about customer service this is a problem when i don't have a twitter of my own this is my only outlet at 16 down from 11 in second week now addicted by enrique iglesias Let's take a quick look at some of the songs that we still have to come, although it's not that exciting a list, to be honest. The big song of the week, weirdly, is the 2003 Children in Need single, which is a cover of Wham's I'm Your Man by Alfie Moon himself. That's right, Shane Ritchie. Shane Ritchie seemed to spend all of 2003 determined to show us all that he was the ultimate song and dance man. Mostly we all thought, mm, no thank you, but that has not stopped him from releasing this Wham cover. The original song by Wham got to number one, so he will be hoping to follow suit and it is all for good cause I guess that so we obviously shouldn't be rude about it we shouldn't but we will also trying to beat Shane Ritchie to number one is Will Young he's got a lot to prove at this point he won Pop Idol obviously but then Gareth Gates overtook him in the number one stakes so he will be desperately hoping to beat the spiky haired Jordan Shagger with his song Leave Right Now one of his best songs a classic of 2000s mum pop and there are a lot of mums out there so i'm sure we're young's gonna do very well but how well we will soon find out also likely to make the top 10 a new single from michael jackson who at this point was wrapped in a child abuse lawsuit so we won't be spending too much time on him but just to say his song one more chance is out that is a new single from his 2003 greatest hits collection and also still to come a new song from ja rule in which he comes for 50 Cent in a very hilarious way. We also have Blink-182 and Iron Maiden, one of which is here at number 15. That 
is a new entry at 15 for Blink-182 with Feeling This. Am I feeling this? Meh. If the verses and chorus of Feeling This by Blink-182 sound different to you, because apparently they were written totally independently of each other, one of Blink-182, bassist Mark Hoppus, wrote the chorus in one room, and their guitarist, Tom DeLonge, wrote the verses in another room. Apparently they didn't speak to each other about the lyrics ahead of time, and it, but it turned out, when they came together, that they had both written about sex. Blink-182, writing about sex? Wow, wonders will never cease. In many ways, a classic Blink-182 song with the classic Blink-182 sound, so it's no surprise that it has been released as the first single from their self-titled album, Blink-182. In my opinion, it pales in comparison to the next release from that album, their iconic track, I Miss You, one of my absolute favourite karaoke songs, because the way that Tom DeLonge sings it is so unique that you can get a lot of joy out of replicating that. Here's a little burst, although to get the whole experience, you will have to take me to karaoke. Where are you? And I am so sorry. Then, of course, the iconic chorus. Don't waste your time on me. You're already the voice inside my head. I know I started this podcast earlier saying that I couldn't deal with all the the nasal singing of bandits and the stands, but I will make exception for I Miss You by Blink-182. I've said Blink-182 a lot in the last three minutes, but apparently that is not how you say it at all. Apparently only British people say Blink-182. Americans say Blink-182 in that exact voice. But that's not right either, apparently. The other day, replying to a James Corden tweet, the band revealed that apparently it's supposed to be Blink-182, to which I say bollocks, but sure, get that viral headline, girls. However way you say it, there have been lots of explanations as to why the band are called Blink-182. I'm going to keep saying it like that. It just feels more natural. They, in various interviews, have said that it's the number of times that Al Pacino's character says fuck in the film Scarface, the number of the ship which their bassist grandfather served in the Marines, and also the bassist ideal weight. But it seems that the truth is that actually the number was meaningless. Like Liberty, they were originally called one thing, and then they got a cease and desist from a band with the same name, and so they just added a random bit at the end. So Liberty became Liberty X, and Blink-182 were asked what they wanted to be called, and so they, on the spot, just said Blink-182. However, there has also There is one last theory that might hold some weight. Apparently the band went to a school called Poway High, whose rival school was called Rancho Bernardo. And it's interesting that they say that it should be called Blink 18-2, because the 18th letter of the alphabet is R, and the second letter is, of course, B. So people have said that Blink 18-2 means fuck RB, even though Blink doesn't mean fuck. Despite that, apparently that is one of the biggest things that fans believe. There is Blink 18-2 with feeling this at 15... And at 14, another former number one hanging onto the chart in its sixth week, down from nine, Be Faithful by Fat Man Scoop and Crooklyn Clan. All the good looking women sing along. I can't hear y'all. long hair put your hands up if you've got short hair leave us a five-star review on spotify if you've got a shaved head recommend a friend i never knew there was a love like this before that's my podcast themed version of be faithful there i'm recording this quite late at night can you tell anyway at number 13 another new entry iron maiden with rainmaker You know what talking about recording late at night i just cannot bring myself to even look up anything about iron maiden a band that i just do not give any amount of a shit over got no problem with heavy metal fun fact about me the band i've seen the most live is motorhead I used to see them every year with my dad but iron maiden do nothing for me can't be asked to look them up so i'm just gonna move on because it's my goddamn podcast it's nearly christmas i can do what i like if you're any big Iron Maiden fans out there, email us at the 2000schartshirtgmail.com and I'll apologise. But I think we're all going to be okay if I move on to more comfortable territory for this podcast, which is at 12 in its second week, 50-50 by Lamar. Hello. 
We have Britney Spears featuring Madonna, Me Against the Music, that's down from six. In its third week. us to our top 10 we have still to come songs from Shane Ritchie, Will Young, Ja Rule and Michael Jackson very male heavy I knew there was a reason I didn't like this week's chart but first men who have made good music oh, they can do that who knew in its third week down from eight about to fall out of the top 10 for the first time but let's just say it's not going to be the last time this song makes the top 10 Hey Ya by Outkast So here we are, our first new entry in the top 10, and it is Clap Back by Ja Rule. Yeah, I don't want that. I sent him to the morgue. I keep it my bouncing for sure. In the club with no gun. Got him taking it off. Can't help that. I'm the n- that puts it down once I hit. That's it. I'm up in the mind. That's it. I'm home in the throwback. West 44 Lakers. Let's make no mistakes when these Zeps take place. What's the procedure with a gun in your face? When you got one in your waist, let's cop back. Hey, I'll come back. Who exactly is it that Ja Rule is clapping back against? Well, in this song, it is 50 Cent and Eminem. Here's some choice lyrics, desperately trying to avoid racial slurs at all sides. One line that seems to be a reference to 50 Cent is, who be in in the cub, rule motherfucker popping the bubbly. Am I conveying these lyrics adequately? I think I am. Of course, that's a reference to 50 Cent's You Can Find Me in the Club, Bottle Full of Bub saying that in fact it is Ja Rule who is in the club or the cub as genius.com has it rather than 50 cent vicious vicious stuff as for Eminem he gets the line I'm a find out where M Laden's hiding and bomb first so there we go comparing Eminem to Bin Laden classy stuff from Ja Rule but his certainly his feud with 50 cent has been long lasting according to xxl magazine this feud may have started as far back as 1999 when ja rule was robbed at gunpoint in queens with 50 cent alleging that ja rule then saw 50 cent hanging around with the guy who had robbed him although ja rule has denied that he saw 50 cent according to ja rule he says that 50 cent first started the feud when he was snubbed during a music video shoot for one of ja rule's songs They then had a physical altercation in an Atlanta nightclub, apparently where the two rappers' necklaces popped. I don't know what that means, to be honest. Does that mean like the diamonds fell out? Or that the the necklaces both split? Whatever way, it definitely escalated the beef between them. In 2000, apparently there was a second altercation where 50 Cent ended up with a stab wound and Ja Rule ended up being arrested. This led to 50 Cent releasing the beautifully titled Wankster, which he has said was his ode to Ja Rule. Basically, it just spirals and spirals. They've dissed each other in tracks. They've dissed each other on Twitter. They've called each other gay. It's fine. Then in 2013, apparently they found themselves on the same row of a flight. Jarul tweeting, what are the chances? Me and 50, same flight, same row, no problems. And then the second tweet, for all those who want nothing more than two black, successful black men, that's him saying black twice, to kill each other, kill yourself. So Jarul, lovely there. Although, of course, then they just kept jabbing at each other on Twitter, right pretty much through to the present day. As far as I'm concerned, they're both completely exhausting, really. So we should really move on them i can't be doing with these two petty little children and their silly little arguments 
Although there is one particular thing that 50 Cent did that I do think is quite funny in this beef war. So in 2018, he bought out the entire front rows of a Ja Rule concert, spending over $3,000 to basically make it look like his gig was more empty than it was. Very funny stuff. I mean, it's the kind of pettiness that actually will ends up with Ja Rule getting £3,000. It's not the best practical joke ever played, but I enjoyed it. And that's all I have to say. Other than when it comes to Ja Rule's career, the best is still to come. He's getting a top 10 hit here, which is his third top 10, but his next song will be his first and so far only number one. Expect that in November 2004. But let's leave Ja Rule and 50 Cent to their beef and move on to at eight, down from four in its third week, Crash the Wedding by Busted. Seven, meanwhile, he's it's his seventh week. He's last week he was also at seven. Clearly, seven, a lucky number for Kevin Little with Turn Me On. to the top five still to come songs from Michael Jackson, Will Young and Shane Ritchie, as well as Girls Allowed Jump. Got some great clips to play for them. And last week's number one, Mandy by Westlife. Will they have another week of Mandy or will they be on the come down this week? We'll find out very soon. But first, here is a song not making the top five, down from three. So not the huge drop that the flop that is Fame Academy season two suggested it could be for Alex Parks with Maybe That's What It Takes. must be a first for the 2000s chart show all artists but one in the top five men obviously means that we are gunning here for girls allowed to get that top spot but since they were at number two last week it seems unlikely they're going to make that leap but let's keep hoping and let's also hope that i can get through talking about this next single without any psychotic fan trying to dox me because at Number five, we have a new entry for Michael Jackson with One More Chance. In 2003, obviously, Michael Jackson was facing child abuse claims that went to court. He was acquitted, of course, on all accounts. But because, honestly, his fans are often psychotic online, I'm not even going to delve into it. Don't even want to talk about it. I'm going to move straight on because you can't talk about Michael Jackson anymore without a very toxic online community coming for you if you say anything other than that he was totally perfect which clearly he was not so moving straight on to number four and oh shit my girls are at number four jump by girls aloud down from two in its second week This week, as in in 2023, Girls Aloud were on the Jesse Ware Table Manners podcast and they gave us best clips we've ever got from that podcast. Exactly the kind of thing that I love, which is pop stars talking about hanging out with other pop stars and talking about the houses that they all used to live in. I actually, I think I only realised this year that most like manufactured pop bands actually all live together in one house. 
we talked about Big Brothers before. They all lived in one house. In fact, they lived in one house before they became a band. They were solo artists originally. And yeah, Girls Aloud all living together as well. Princess Park Manor. Is that my old way? Absolutely. It's like this weird spot that everyone knows. It's like the record company just throw all the new Everyone was there. Sugar Babes, JLS, McFly. It was amazing. So it was like your student halls? Yes, basically. Like we'd all be out. We were out at the same club, weren't we, like every weekend. And then if you wanted to carry on, it was just like, pick a flat. Like, which one are we going to go back to? Anyone who got tickets to the Girls Aloud show, looking forward to talking about that in summer 2024. And sorry to anyone who didn't get tickets. We'll try not to have too much fun without you. One thing we certainly won't have that much fun with is this week's top three. Is this week's number one going to be Mandy by Westlife, I'm Your Man by Shane Ritchie, or Leave Right Now, by Will Young. Really reminds me, it's either Freddy versus Jason or Alien versus Predator that had the tagline, whoever wins, we lose. But nevertheless, we soldier on and I can reveal that we will have a new number one this week because Mandy by Westlife is at number three down from one last week. Baby, oh man, you came and you gave But I sent you leaves us with two new entries leave right now by will young and i'm your man by shane ritchie one of those i'm about to play at number two leaving the other one to be this week's new number one Right, number two, Shane Ritchie's I'm Your Man, which means that Leave Right Now by Will Young is this week's number one, which we will talk about in just a few moments. But first, we need to talk about the very weird figure that is Shane Ritchie, because as a great philosopher almost said, Who is she? Who is she? Well, I can tell you who he is, Nikki. R.I.P. Much missed. He is what we like to call in Britain a light entertainer. Any non-British listeners we have out there. Basically, a very, it's a very specifically British thing where you, you do a bit of singing, a bit of dancing. You mostly do kind of hosting. You maybe host a lot of quiz shows. And you may, as Shane Ritchie did, do a stint in a soap opera. So Shane Ritchie, originally a stand-up comedian. He was in youth theatre, as all light entertainers are. He was a blue coat at Pontins as a teenager. Then he started doing live stand-up. He was nominated for Best New Stand-Up at the first British Comedy Awards. Did a series of kind of sketch shows and stuff that no one's ever heard of. Then he became a quiz quiz show host and the face of Daz Detergent in the UK. He gave a great quote about this. Well, maybe he did. It's citation needed on Wikipedia, but it's so good. We're just going to hope he said it. He said they paid him so much to do Daz Detergent adverts that, that he would have snorted the stuff if they'd asked him. So he also was married to loose woman Colleen Nolan. I think he is the father of the child that she had a lot of controversy for because she paid for him to lose his virginity in Amsterdam for his, like, 16th birthday or something. But we can't get into that. We need to get into Shing Ritchie's pop career for what it was. He released an album in 1997, which was a big flop. And then, of course, he became Alfie Moon in EastEnders, a kind of comic relief character when the show was at its bleakest. And a huge success. A huge success that was everywhere at the time. Found any excuse to sing. He would sing on the show. Children in Need, they'd have him singing anything. And here he is singing a cover of Wham's I'm Your Man. The original got to number one and spent two weeks at the top spot in November 1985. So not quite being able to beat George Michael. Which is, you know, all is right with the world if Shane Ritchie isn't doing better than George Michael, I think. This did not stop her for the Salon reviewers and Smash Hits giving it four stars saying it's not as good as the original, but it's got a catchy chorus. Of course, that chorus is, if you're going to do it, do it right, do it with me. A classic. Louis agrees with Brooke and says, I like Wham's version much better, but this is for charity and everyone loves Alfie Moon from EastEnders and I'm sure it's going to do pretty well. And that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? It is doing well, but it cannot beat 
this week's number one, Leave Right Now by Will Young. This is Will Young's fourth number one, allowing him, he will be very pleased to know, to level with his pop idol co-star Gareth Gates. Although it is unfortunately his fourth and final, so he was not able to beat Gareth Gates. His first number one, Anything is Possible, in March 2002. Second, his terrible cover of The Doors is Light My Fire, that was in June 2002. Then his cover of The Long and Winding Road by The Beatles, that was of course a duet with Gareth Gates, was his third number one. And here he is with his fourth. He will continue to have top ten hits for a few years, but will never again reach number one. With this, he is selling a impressive 117,000 copies of his single. That is actually the biggest week at the top, ironically, since the second week of Gareth Gates' last number one, Spirit in the Sky. That also sold 17,000 copies. It'd be interesting to know who got one or two more than the other, but I guess we will never know, unless there are any people with access to that data, which definitely hook me up. I won't say that you gave it to me but I just really want to know. Will Young of course an iconic gay pop star in a time in which we really didn't have that many gay pop stars of course we just mentioned George Michael but they are really one of the few out pop stars of course also on this week's chart we have the Pet Shop Boys but that really is kind of it. I have a very strong memory of seeing the newspaper that kind of outed Will Young in a Deborah Smith's and actually taking that paper and like sneaking myself off to the corner to read it so that my parents wouldn't see me doing it. I was probably about nine or ten. So very formative for me, but that does not mean that I've always been the biggest fan of Will Young's music. I love the songs Your Game and Switch It On, which I think are two of his gayest songs, but certainly the ballads have never really done that much for me. Just a few more things to note about this song. It was written by a songwriter called Egg White. Oh my god, just saying that out loud, I've just got it. So it's funny that it sounds like Egg White. Because his, his real name is Francis Anthony White, but they call him Egg because Egg White. It, it's late, what can I tell you? Well, what I actually can tell you is that he kind of has Egg White. Now I'm saying out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Does have previous with writing songs for reality TV show contestants. His last song to be released before this was Javine's Surrender Your Love, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And he would go on to write the song Once for Diana Vickers. Or as I like to say it, my little Diana Vickers. That's my Cheryl Cole impression. Which would give him his second UK number one. Among the other songs, he also wrote songs for Matt Cardle, Rebecca Ferguson, and Leona Lewis, so he really was a guy, if you had won a reality TV show and then, or if you'd been on a reality TV show and then you wanted a hit, he was the guy you'd go to. But they weren't his only credits. He also wrote Raining Glitter for Kylie Minogue, Warwick Avenue for Duffy, Chasing Pavements for Adele, You Give Me Something by James Morrison, Shiver by Natalie Imbruglia, and one of my favourite songs, Call My Name by Charlotte Church. So he always has a place in our 2000 Chart Show Hall of Fame. One last thing to note about Leave Right Now by Will Young. I have a book of, which is a rundown of the first thousand UK number ones, and it suggests that they might have been a little sneaky in getting Will Young his second number one against Shane Ritchie. They said that Will Young's Leave Right Now single was priced at $1.99, whereas Shane Ritchie's was at $3.99. Certainly, $1.99 CD singles was one of the many ways in which the record labels tried to stop downloads dominating, but as we are going to see in the coming weeks and months, it doesn't work. So what a downbeat way to end this week's episode but we will be back with hopefully better songs next week certainly more ill-advised Christmas songs from artists who should know better so if that's the kind of thing that sounds like your idea of heaven please listen again next week positive ratings reviewings and recommendations the three R's for the rest of the week follow us at Twitter at 2000 Chart Show at Instagram at the 2000 Chart Show email at the 2000 Chart Show at gmail.com and here is this week's number one leave right now by Will Young. Have a fantastic week. Why you're opening up a healing wound again I can also do a wonderful impression of Cheryl Cool. Uh, it's 
my little Diana Vickers, Alexandra Berg, 